Uh, my next guest this morning on RNZ National is the award-winning Canadian novelist and poet Anne Michaels. She's best known perhaps for her novel Fugitive Pieces, which was made into a film. Many of her books have been translated, indeed, into more than 50 languages. She has a new novel out called Held. It is a haunting and kaleidoscopic story of loss, grief, of longing and love, and it spans several generations. It begins on a French First World War battlefield with John, who is a wounded soldier. Three years later, he is then reunited with his artist wife, Helena, and opens a photographic studio only for spirits to start appearing on his prints. Here we are talking about photography again this morning. Anne Michaels, kia ora, welcome uh, to RNZ Saturday Morning. Thank you for your time. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, it's absolutely wonderful to talk to you. Um, I was captivated by your novel. Um, It's quite hard to describe. How would you describe it? (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Held um, looks at moments of connection and consequence that ignite and reignite across a century. And every day writing this book, I ask myself two questions. In these urgent times, what voice might be small enough to be heard? And what do we need now? We're used to measuring history uh, by events and actions, but Held wants to assert a different measure for history, the real and powerful effect of our inner lives, what we believe, what we value, what we love, what we aspire to especially important now as our values, compassion, ideals, our aspirations as a species are being tested and tested to the limit. Held um, begins at a moment that I feel is a significant moment in history um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when science began to explore the invisible world, the atomic world, and uh, not only to explore, but for the first time to be able to manipulate that invisible world. And very quickly, science began to supplant, uh, to replace a very, uh, humanity's very ancient relationship to, to invisibility, to what we cannot know by its very nature what we cannot know. And that essential mystery is something extremely valuable. Um, and it's a value that we, we must not lose in these times. Science um, has become more and more conflated with technology, and they're not the same thing. And But both science and technology always ask, uh, can we? rather than should we. And now we need to ask more than ever, not can we, but should we. Um, so, in yes, uh, the novel does begin um, on that, that battlefield, World War I battlefield. And um, John, who uh, returns home uh, and sets, sets up his photography studio, um, 
begins to see these images rising from the prints that he's making. Uh, photography um, is a very, uh, very uh, in, important metaphor in this book and a very important um, historical uh, event in this book mm. because um, it, we we forget so it's not that long ago um, that for the first time uh, we were able to record the lives of let's say infants um, who who died mm. um, who maybe only lived for a few hours or a few days and and photographs of those infants were the only thing left of them, the only memory, visual memory, um, and which was such an powerful, empowering technology. And the, the, uh, the relationship between photography and, and the dead um, was very firmly established right from the start. Mm. Um, the, uh, the War Commission uh, in Britain, uh, because the, uh, the number of the dead was, was, the scale of death was, was so enormous, uh, unprecedented. Uh, the War Commission, which, which was, uh, responsible for, um, uh, erecting the graves of the soldiers and, um, notifying families of the dead. The fathers, the sons, the brothers, um, they, they could not return the bodies, uh, back to their homes and their families, mm. um, which the families, of course, ached and begged to have their, their sons and their fathers return to them. Um, but their, the scale was just, just impossible. And of course, for the first time too, we had bodies that were, atomized could indistinguishable from each other they couldn't be returned mm. so the war commission uh, took photographs of the graves and sent those home and and at the same time that, that first world war the first world war also saw uh this rise dramatic rise in spiritualism mm. which was co- of course absolutely natural human nature um and so all of these things uh are the the sort of ground um from which the novel uh begins to unfold Mm. and as you say goes ahead into time um and back into time from that moment Mm. And the novel again and again is trying to look at all the forces and invisible forces that um, bring us to a present moment and and all the ways that that love continues its work long past the span of a single life. And indeed posing enormous questions or statements as it does so you know, right from the start. Why should we believe death lasts forever on the first page? Um, Further on, do you think it's possible for good to survive long enough 
to endure while evil consumes itself. You ask the questions, there are not always the answers, but were you asking them of yourself? Is this what you were thinking of, of, of researching, of, of being embedded in as you were conceiving and writing the novel? Oh, absolutely. Uh, every book is, for me, a confrontation with, with questions that, um, that, I, that I know don't have answers, but, but that I have to find some kind of relationship to. And uh, so I'm, I'm posing questions that also uh, are provocative in, in, in their testing of, of, of faith in the broadest sense. What, what can we believe? What can we value? What can we trust in? And um, I, I only after really testing those questions um, and hoping that I will come to some kind of relationship with them uh, can I can I bring that faith or hope to a reader because it has to be something that we can trust in. So, uh, yes, in each case, it's a tr tremendously deep dive into um, history, science, evolution, revolution, <laughs> uh, consciousness, physics. Um, every way I turn the question around, every way uh, that I can possibly look at it to try and understand what we can trust, what trust can be uh, found what hope can be found. They are largely fictional characters in the novel, uh, but there is the inclusion of scientists Mary and Pierre Curie. Also, Ernest Rutherford gets several mentions. So it's um, those who saw the invisible, if you like. But you do make the point of writing that science must never foreclose on what it does not understand. And I guess that begins also to speak to this sense of trust that you talk about. Do we trust the science? Do we put our faith in the science to have the answers? When at the same time, you have the spirit photography and the mother of the soldier, the dead mother of the, of the soldier appearing on the glass negative. It is deliberately ambiguous, I think. Yes, absolutely. We, we have given science a tremendous amount of power over uh, most aspects of our existence. And this book, in a way, is just an assertion or even a plea, I would say, for us to consider what we surrender, what we've surrendered by doing that, by allowing that. Um, the things that we feel deeply, instinctively, um, they have value, enormous value, I think. Uh, and like any of our senses, you know, touch, smell, hearing, we, we have a, a relationship to, uh, that, that intuition, that sense of things, that awe, that, 
that acknowledgement, uh, I, I'm not speaking um, m- mystically here in mm. terms of mysticism, I'm speaking in terms of simple mystery, uh, simply what, what, what we as humans cannot know, cannot ever know. And our relationship to that, I think, is significant. And it's something that science tries to breach. It tries to say it has answers um, with a certain assertive materialism. But there's a different sort of materialism that we know, uh, that we've always known as a species we've always known. There's a moment in, a, in the book that a lot of people would recognize um where a character smells someone who is long gone. And lots of people will be able to think of a time in their life where that has happened, where they've, for, for me, it's walking into someone else's bathroom and, and smelling my grandmother. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very potent way for the past essentially to exist as the present, which is quite a difficult concept for us to wrap our heads around. Yes, well, the exploring time and how time works, um, of course, is is central to this book. And again, we we um, we need to acknowledge those the kind of invisible forces, um, even even in the sense of uh, our our aspirations. What what do we what do we hope for? What as a as a community, as a um, as a society, as do we? What are we aspiring to? Um, and this inner work, this inner life, is very much connected to historical events. What happens? What what we allow to happen? Um, we there is absolutely. A direct connection between that inner life, the personal life, the domestic life, and the larger political and historical world of events. So um, that that the book uh, again just tries to uh, bring us very close to ways in which that inner life is active and uh, aroused and receptive. And and something that we have to cultivate, uh, we we need to understand what matters to us, and that will be reflected in what happens in the world. My guest is the Canadian writer Anne Michaels, Susie Ferguson, with you this morning on Saturday morning, getting the weekend underway here on RNZ National. Um, as I was reading the book, Anne, I. I kept being reminded that you write novels, but indeed also write poetry. And as I went through it, I began thinking, is this, is this a novel or is this an epic poem? Well, I, I very deliberately um, wrote this book in a, in a very uh, deliberate way. Uh, I, wanted to um, show a series of uh, moments, powerful moments, intense moments um, of recognition, realization, um, 
inner change, outer change. Uh, and the history, it, the book is steeped in history, but I didn't want that history to be overt. Uh, I wanted it to be just uh, under the surface, at, at the, the edges of the page. Uh, and so by, by concentrating on these very specific moments in these very different uh, lives, these very different time periods, these very different characters, um, it was a way also of showing the intensity of, of life. And we, we never in the book, I think, feel that we know the whole story, hmm. uh, just as we don't in a life. Uh, we, we, so there's always a sense of what came before, what, came, what comes after. And a life is never finished in that way. Um, there's something uh, very true about the fact that, that a life comes from other lives, comes from a past, and a life influences a future, moves into a future. Um, and so there, in the way of telling this book, we, we, we feel that boundary of, you know, uh, we like to think maybe we can summarize a life, sum up a life, mm. but I don't think we can. I don't think we can. Every life bleeds from the past and bleeds into the future. And so this book, uh, is, is, is the way of telling is reflecting that, um, and that uh, there is, um, I guess, one could say a poet's uh, distillation uh, in the way it's told. And, and that is, is very, very deliberate. How long did it take you to write this? <laughs> um, well, 20 years. <laughs> Yes, I'd seen, I'd seen 10 years, I'd seen 15 years. I, I wasn't sure because it, it definitely has the sense that this has been, you know, every every word, every punctuation mark has been thoughtfully considered. Um, yeah, clearly it has taken a long time. Well, you know, it's it, if questions are worth asking, if, if a book is worth writing, if you are challenging yourself to the utmost... Then it is. It's going to take time. I, I never begin a book thinking I'm going to finish it quickly. I I always know it's going to take a long time, and it's also for me a, a respect for the reader is very very important to me. I think it's very respectful of the reader who is giving me their precious time and thought and alertness um, reading this book to. To uh, to provide something that that hopefully reaches a certain a certain depth, and it, it is a very particular depth where everything begins to connect. Um, because in the writing of this, you know, we wait in, in a very open, um, aroused state to uh, see, to try and find, to, to realize what those connections are. But you can't force, force connections. They have to reveal themselves. And in terms of uh, this interdisciplinary, you know, looking at history, looking at science, looking at philosophy, um, those connections have to, have to rise from, from, from the research you're doing. Mm. So that, 
taking that time is is respectful, I think, to the readers and the readers' attention. And you know, when we we think of the writers we love, when I think the writers I love, um, there we remember a handful of books. We don't need um, you know dozens of books necessarily by by a single writer. We need those few books that uh, really mean something to us. And so whether or not I, I achieve this, of course, who knows, but that's an ambition that I have, that um, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing as well as I possibly can. I think you have done it as well as you possibly can. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you very much for your time on Saturday morning. Anne Michaels there speaking to us from Canada. Her new novel is Held. Uh, It is absolutely exquisite. It is poetic. It is haunting. It is beautiful. It is also published by Bloomsbury.